This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Good evening to all of our faithful listeners. A big hello from Rachel. Hi to Mark. Hello. And Claudine, who's flying our show as per usual. Hi, Hello, Claudine. Hello, this is your captain speaking. Aye, aye, captain. Can you say that? You Close can. enough. Close enough. Good enough, even though you wouldn't say that to a flying captain. So a big thank you to Michelle, Steph and Adam from Stand Up Straight. Thanks for your awesome show. So tonight we have some interesting topics to talk about. So definitely get involved with us tonight. If you would like to send us a text, 0427JOY949 is our texting number or send an email to onair at joy.org.au or if you're listening via the app, you can just press the little contact button in the top left corner and that will do that all for you. So tonight we have a, a, a little bit of a different holy day and Mark will be leading this one. So our holy day of the week... My awesome singing is Holocaust. Over to you, Mark. That's right. So yesterday was the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, uh, which is the day designated by the United Nations to remember the estimated 6 million Jewish people, 2 million gypsies, uh, 250,000 physically disabled or mentally unwell people, about 9,000 gay men, according to the United Nations, who were murdered by the Nazi regime in the in Germany during the 1930s up until 1945. Just just those facts literally just gave me shivers. It's scary. It is scary. No matter how many times you hear it. It, 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 it really is scary. And the, the scarier part is that they're actually estimations. So they're, and they're on the conservative side of estimations. So yeah. um, we're talking, those figures alone get us well over 8 million people. Um, wow. And... It's a, it's a lot of people. It's an awful lot of people. So um, probably a, a better estimate in terms of we talk about gay men, probably a, a lot of people would argue that we're probably talking somewhere between ten and 15,000 gay men who were murdered by the Nazi regime during the Holocaust. So wow. um, yesterday was International Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's designated by the UN. Um, and it's said on the date that Auschwitz-Birkenau extermination camp was liberated by the Soviet army in 1945. Now, Auschwitz-Birkenau was a series of camps. It's probably the largest of the extermination camps. They're estimated somewhere beyond 1.1 million people were exterminated through Auschwitz-Birkenau. <gasps> um, wow. It's the one with big iron gates that... Is fairly infamous. So the, yesterday was the day in 1945 that the Soviet army arrived at Auschwitz and liberated the camp from um, the Nazis who were um, who were controlling it up until then. I have a question in relation to what we're talking about later in the show. The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas film, is that based on that camp? Do you know? I'm not sure if it's based on that camp. Um, I'm just trying to think it's... Um, I think it, that I'm not. I'm not sure. Actually, I shouldn't comment because I'm not a hundred percent sure okay. which camp that was 
centred on. Um, and I'm not sure. I would have thought that camp was more about where Dr. Joseph Mengel was doing his atrocities, yes. which is where a lot of children were sent. And I think that might be Birkenau, but don't quote me on that. We I, we need to have a look at that. We All might, right. We might look Off at that the record. And, have, and get back to you on that one. Interestingly, yesterday's um, the UN's designated day um, for the Jewish community. The Holocaust is remembered formally in April, May. The Jewish calendar is um, moves in terms of the Gregorian calendar yep. with what the day is called Yom HaShoah, which literally means the day, day of the catastrophe in Hebrew. Wow. Uh, the reason why it's pushed back into the year is that um, in the Jewish calendar, Monday was Tusha B'Av. Uh, no, I'm trying to work out which day. I think it was Tusha B'Av. No, it wasn't. It was Tushavat. Got my days mixed up. Some very poor Hebrew there. Uh-oh. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> which is it, which is the day of the New Year of the Trees today. Ah. So it's when um, traditionally and, and and certainly in Israel now, certainly Israel being in the deserts, when you plant lots of trees. So in the Jewish world, it's considered too close to that, which is a celebration to have a day of of mourning. So yeah. um, Yom Hashoah is marked uh, later in the year. So how was that? How was that date change uh, chosen? <sighs> You're really pushing my knowledge of Yom HaShoah. Uh, and I'm not sure why the date was cha- it was chosen. We'll probably talk about it when it comes up closer to the date. Um, it's a very controversial date it, in terms of it's not observed by the whole of Judaism. It's only observed by um, definitely the progressive and definitely the conservative or Masorti movements. Um, some modern Orthodox will observe it, but certainly what strict Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox, do not observe Yom HaShoah. Uh, very controversial, and there's a whole show we can probably do talking about that. But let's go back to yesterday, which is um, the day which has been set aside by the UN. Uh, a fairly recent um, date set by the UN, set in 2005, so it's a fairly recent occurrence in terms of the international calendar. The theme for this year was Holocaust with Human Dignity, and I'm just going to describe how the UN has has said what this is about. So the UN says, The theme links Holocaust remembrance with the founding principles of the United Nations and reaffirms faith in the dignity and worth of every person that is highlighted in the protection, or highlighted in the United Nations Charter, as well as the lie, right to live free from discrimination and with equal protection under the law that is enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The Holocaust, which resulted in the destruction of nearly two-thirds of European Jewry, remains one of the most painful reminders of the international community's failure to protect them. It it is a painful one. There are lots of other examples that we can talk about, certainly before the Holocaust in Germany, and certainly there's been a lot of atrocities um, up until the current day. So the UN is getting about that this is reminding us. Is Is there a different theme for every year or has there been there has been a different theme for every year um the un does come up with a different theme that's trying to push a, or not push but trying to highlight a different aspect of why this is considered so significant yeah and why we still remember and why do we, yeah, yeah why do we still remember it's uh, what are we we're 2016 so we're what 71, 71 years since the liberation of Auschwitz um so that's you know a significant amount of time for our community, for the LGBTI community, the Holocaust Remembrance Day is a, a day for us to remember 
the, as I said, the, the UN says 9,000. That's a fairly conservative figure. Um, most scholars would argue between ten to 15,000 gay men. Um, so do, is, are there any estimates of um, women or other... Um, and were, for example, transgender or other, other groups... It's interesting. It, um, uh, the Nazi regime focused on gay men, um, so um, gay women, lesbians, weren't rounded up so much. Well, not rounded. You rounded up is a great term, actually. weren't rounded up by the Nazis and sent off to extermination camps or concentration camps. Um, in terms of transgendered people and, and and that community, there's really not a lot of information. In fact, there's very little information on gay men, um, and there's certainly a lot less information about the transgender community. That said, they possibly might have been part of the um, the gay community that have been rounded up by the Holo- by the Nazis as part of this rounding up of the ten to fifteen thousand, and that's the number that we're talking that died. So um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a bit hard to talk about. We're going to now listen to. Um, a song. It's the theme song from Schindler's List, um, sung by an Israeli um, artist. It has some words in Hebrew at the start of the song, and I'll just read out what what they're from. It's it, it's um, a, it's kind of a prayer, for want of a better term, in 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 Judaism. And the words are, are just, the translation is. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I remember thee not, if I set not Jerusalem above my chiefest joy, against who said, raise, raise it, raise it, even to its very foundation. So we'll listen to this song. And you're listening to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And we're having a bit of a conversation tonight about Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day to begin with. And we've gotten a message in from Graham. And Graham's message says it was actually quite a few more, around 25,000. And the worst bit was when the Allies liberated the camps. Many of those interned under the Pink Triangle were then interned into the civil criminal system. So we're going to have a bit of a talk more about the Pink Triangle. And Mark's going to pick us up from there. Yeah, so Graham picks up a good point about um, the use of symbols to identify the different prisoners. So, um, as Graham says, the pink triangle was worn um, on the chest of all gay men in the in the concentration or extermination camps. Um, the most common um, symbol that you would get for the Holocaust is, of course, the yellow star of David, which the Jewish community were made to wear. Yeah. Um, if you happen to be a gay Jew, you wore a pink triangle over a yellow star so the way that the nazis um designated people was that the pink triangle went over the top but then it depending on what you were whether you're a gypsy or other reasons why you might have been interred that was also on your identification so it's a fairly obvious and fairly horrific um identifier and so were different groups of people put in different camps or in different sections um so would gay men have been put in a different place from what i can gather it there seems to be a little bit of that going on i'm not so sure about the transports um the the cattle 
rail trucks which were used to bring people in from all parts of Nazi Germany being you know most of Europe at one stage so I'm not sure whether they were just put into those carts that the really um, touching part or the bit that I find so difficult about this is that gay men who weren't German were exterminated on arrival so it's only the German gay men that survived the initial extermination however that said they were subjected to all sorts of horrific torture um, unimaginable things it's for the gay community unlike the jewish community which has had a, a much higher rate of survivors who have lived quite long like we've still got quite a number of Holocaust survivors alive, but certainly the Jewish community um, has been very active in terms of collecting these testimonies um, and, and, and doing all of that. Whereas in terms of the gay community, a lot of these men, their testimonies weren't collected. And as Graham rightfully said, the other horrific side of the coin is um, once Nazi Germany is liberated, both East and West Germany become very zealous about persecuting gays for crimes against... Now, I think it's there's an exact paragraph. I think it was paragraph 175, I think is the right one. I might be quite a little bit wrong on the number. But it was really heavily persecuted. In fact, in parts of um, Germany, the statistics in terms of who was arrested for being gay is enormous, and wow. entire task force were dedicated to it. So the estimation is somewhere between 100... Uh, somewhere around... Um, 100,000 gay men were arrested in the period from 45 to 68, of which 50,000 were formally charged. So was that a a law that was introduced by Hitler's government and that was just left in after the... Yeah, that's right. So it's it's a law enacted in uh, around 33... um, 1933 by the Nazi regime, so it's it's part of the Hitler government's decision to do that. Um, and then after the end of the war, it's retained in law. And then um, I think uh, Stuttgart is one of the um, areas that was very zealous in terms of persecuting this. If you look at Germany prior to 1933 when the law changes, you're looking at an exceptionally progressive society. Um there were a number of gay clubs and bars, there were gay charities, there were gay press. So it was a quite a happening scene. Um, it was considered to be one of the leading sort of gay rights scenes of its time, um, which is quite comparable to German society up until um, you have Nazi Germany, the Nazi party take control and subsequent. It was quite a progressive society, very intellectual um, we're, we're seen as quite a world leader. So it goes from a, a very progressive society and then um, moves across into quite the far extreme, if you like. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think the, the musical cabaret is, is sort of the most, one of the most popular, famous uh, illustrations of that time. And it really seemed that it was quite a, an extreme contrast. And perhaps, I mean, it, sort of pre Nazi Germany was quite famous and celebrated by lots of artists and writers and it's almost as if there was this it feels like a a backlash to that i think that's Mm. it's probably a fairly i think that's a good summation of what possibly happened there was a backlash you've also seen germany's in terms of its um, financial economy was not going so well Um, and so there's a bit of a backlash against these affluent progressives Um, certainly the jewish community is certainly considered to be exceptionally affluent um, in its day, and therefore were, it was a backlash against that. And 
you can certainly look at history in terms of um, the uh, the financial retributions that needed to be made after the First World War. The sad part about the whole thing about Berlin and being quite progressive is that after the war, you not only have these laws, but people are going back to Berlin, these, these gay people who have managed to get out of the concentration camp, and their whole community is gone. There is no gay Berlin anymore. Um, so they're going back to nothing. So you saw a lot of people who could got out and left, which um, in the benefit of hindsight, considering how draconian the laws were up until 68 in the east and 69 in the west, um, was, a, was a great move. So it, it, it really decimated the Jewish community. Uh, the, sorry, the LGBTI community, Jewish community as well, but really, really decimated the German uh, LGBTI community. So yesterday was the Day of International um, Holocaust Remembrance by the UN, um, certainly um, a, a, a poignant day. In terms of how to market, you know, if you want to have a think about this, want to explore a little bit more, you certainly there are Holocaust museums in both Sydney and Melbourne, which are worth a look. They are primarily function for the Jewish community, but they do also acknowledge that other communities were affected. So that might be something to um, to mark this occasion and, and have a think about how fortunate we are. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 every Thursday night between 8 and 9. So we've got a bit of an exciting topic to talk about tonight, but we want your input. We're talking about films that have spiritual or religious context within them, whether the film meant to or not. You'll understand what I mean in a minute about that. But um, make sure you let us know what your favourite films are with spiritual or religious meanings behind them. So send us a text on 0427-JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au or use the contact button on the app and that'll do it all for you. So... I wanted to start off with my mind-boggling what do you mean by whether they meant to put uh, religious and spiritual context in the movie or not. When I was doing my research for this, I came across Groundhog Day and a Buddhist forum which said Groundhog Day is actually a message of Zen Buddhism. And so I looked into this. And if you haven't seen the film Groundhog Day, it is about a man. He has the same name as the Groundhog, and I've completely forgotten what his name is. Uh, But he's a news reader slash weather reporter, something for the news. And he wakes up on Groundhog Day and he goes to his boring job where he has to see whether the groundhog comes out of the ground and tells them whether it's spring or not, whether winter's over and it's now spring. And then he, you know, goes home and goes to bed. And then every day the same song is played that wakes him up and he realises that it's the exact same day and he does the whole, excuse me, sir, what day is it? And they're like, why, it's Groundhog Day. And so he goes to work and basically he has to learn how to become grateful of his day. So the story of the Zen monk is that I do not ask about 15 days ago or 15 days hence, but what about today? And when no one answered, he answers himself. Every day is a good day. So the story is about living the same day over and over until he learns to be a nicer person, which apparently is part of the Zen teachings in 
Buddhism. So that's very interesting. So is that, that about becoming enlightened? Is that I, think, I would that be the well, yeah, Buddhist the. Obviously, the um, goal in Buddhism is to to become an enlightened person, and by doing so, you have to uh, appreciate every day and be a nicer person. So, um, so maybe next time we watch that film, we'll have a, a new understanding or so new I think eyes. The film. I mean, I think the film's old enough that we don't need a spoiler warning. So oh no! Does he, does he? What does he do? Or how does he? Oh, look, it's been a few years since I've watched the film. Um, but I believe he ha- he builds on his relationships with people. Um, and, yeah, so he, he just does those little things and he learns to appreciate, you know, the snow out the front of his house that he has to shovel and, and all of that sort of stuff. So he just, yeah, it's all, it's all the little minor things that he then grows appreciation for and learns to accept and then beyond accept um what's the next beyond accept be happy about them i don't know what the word for that right now his name was phil phil yes that's that's really important yeah and and the groundhog's name name was phil as well that's right i do remember that see the the unimportant facts is what i've remembered so we've already got some text messages through so the movie sister act from john thanks john I love Sister Act and Sister Act 2 and one of my very favourite songs to sing is from Sister Act 2 and Sister Act 1, all of the songs. So if you if you send me musicals, you know that I'm going to love it, A, but yeah, definitely remember, Sister Act. I remember singing some of those songs in school. That's showing my age, but yes, that was part of our school musical performance. Ah, uh, um, which one? That's the one. It's oh, the one that, happy day. No, it's the one that no. starts off sounding like a hymn, but then... Ooh. They break out into clapping. Are you sure and it's not Oh Happy Day? Because no, I'm pretty I know sure. It's it is, it is, um, Oh Hail. It probably starts Hail Mary. Mary Queen. I'm sorry, it's it's that long ah, ago. But yeah, I think it starts off really, really solemn and then takes off. We had to clap, and I'm not really good coordinated, so I can't clap and <laughs> sing at the same time. Oh, then you just pretend to clap and don't actually put your hands together because everybody noticed that person that doesn't clap in time. Um, we've gotten a message through. I, I recognise this number. It's Paige. She never writes her name on her messages. And she said Ned, but we've, we've been That's the told groundhog. that it's Phil. So is it Phil or is it Ned? Now we have some conflict. I think we have to – someone someone has to someone watch needs to, again. So, well – that too, but we need to Google this. Uh, Sonia has messaged through and said, The Nasty Violent Movie by Mel Gibson, the right-wing cra- Catholic, so The Passion. Oh. I have seen The Passion of the Christ. What, all of it? Yeah, I had to. My dad's a minister, so the whole church watched it together one day. Did you, uh, it was like at Easter. Did you talk about it afterwards and have... Um Debriefing? Because I think that um, means debriefing. I don't remember. I was quite young when The Passion of the Christ came out. It's It's been at least 10 Honestly, years. I, I'm not sure that's something you'd show to a child. Yeah, so that was interesting. But, like, obviously I already knew the story about Jesus and, and everything. It was just a lot more graphic than I expected. So that's a, that's a very real spiritual slash religious film. Um Yes, and she's also said, and Legally Blonde. I'd be interested to know what about Legally Blonde is is spiritual mm. and religious. Yeah, can't say. I, I'm, 
I haven't seen that one. Have you? Mark? I've seen it, but it was some time ago, and I'm I'm struggling to even remember the plot. So she's she's a blonde ditzy girl and she goes to law law school and she becomes a lawyer and it's all about her beating the odds and becoming a lawyer maybe it's just her yep. spiritual journey in having self-empowerment and yeah believing in yourself believing in yourself and her little dog and she gets help from from her um nail lady the lady that does her fingernails and toenails and her beautician. So there's lots of things also about, you know, not judging a book by its cover. Yeah. There's all those sorts of things that that come out often in, in religious teachings. Things. And moral, they are. They're good moral, moral things. teachings. They're good moral yeah. things. Yeah. So another film that relates back to musicals being Sister Act is I am a huge fan of the movie The Prince of Egypt. And obviously, as I said, growing up with the uh, Bible verses and whatnot, um, the story of Moses is a very well-known Christian story. And so the Prince of Egypt is like a Disney... I'm, I think it's Disney. Oh, don't. It's a well-known Jewish story too, I think. Oh, ah, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Also well-known Jewish, Mark. It probably is a Jewish story that was adopted by Christianity well, there after the fact. But one of those. Uh, we won't get caught up in the semantics of that. Um, I, I do know that there is Hebrew speaking in it, even though it's a kid's movie. Well, it is the book of Exodus. Yes. Okay. Which is part of the Torah. There you go. Fun facts that I'm even learning tonight. So, uh, The Prince of Egypt is like the cartoon musicalized version. And I still think it's relevant for kids to watch today. It's just, it's a feel good movie with really beautiful songs in it. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, where we've been talking about some of our favorite films with spiritual or religious themes. Some of them explicit or um, obvious and some less so and um, people have been texting in with their favorite films someone's mentioned the harry potter films uh, and books i suppose which were condemned by the vatican well we could do a whole show about things that have been (laughs) condemned by the vatican or other religious authorities but i remember that there was well the harry potter series which went out the books went were published over more than 10 years. And I think there was a bit of question questioning at the start about, um, I mean, J.K. Rowling was known for being a Christian, but there was this question of how religious it was and whether it was, say, a, a metaphor, not a metaphor, the other one, an allegorical treatment of Christ. And so... It wasn't revealed, um, again, spoilers for a really old film series, it wasn't revealed until the final book that, yes, there was actually a very much a Christian journey kind of theme and that there was, really? you, could, you could draw parallels between Harry and, and Christ. He actually oh. di- he dies and comes back. Um, spoilers. Maybe again. that'll give me a reason to watch it finally after all these years. Well, Rachel, you were saying you were saying I, I saw you say on Facebook that you hadn't watched anything with Alan Rickman in it. But and then I was, I, was, I was corrected, and I have seen a few things like Love Actually and and that you know Alice in Wonderland. You so can't. It's stuff. hard to avoid Alan. <laughs> Well, Love Actually has it, got a religious theme to it. It's a it's Christmas, a Christmas, it's a it's, Christmas yes. film. Well, there, there I think there's a, whole, there's a whole separate genre of Christmas films. And apparently Alice in Wonderland, in my research, came up. I didn't really look into it because I was just like, really? But uh, apparently it has some spiritual themes to it, but we well, won't Lewis go into Well, Lewis Carroll that. was an Anglican minister. There you go. 
So, Perfect um, reason. But yeah, I he was also a mathematician. He was lots of things. I don't remember the religious aspects of Alice in Wonderland, but again, somebody else might. Maybe it's it's Alice's spiritual journey. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, journeys are um, journeys and transformations are a pretty common theme. Um, and just briefly mention while we're talking about Alan Rickman, one of my favorite actors ever. That another film that's got a very different approach to religion is is Dogma by Kevin Smith. So um, he's a man who made um, Clerks and various other quirky comedies. But um, it's it's about a few things. But there's a there's a woman who turns out to be the last known living relative of Christ. And there's there's stuff about sacrifice and redemption in there but there's it's funny because Alanis Morissette is um, plays God and <laughs> she doesn't talk or sing or make much no say oh, much so it's an interesting casting and and Alan Rickman plays the angel Metatron who is the messenger of God so he says something like well any any guy who says that he's spoken to God actually he's spoken to me but which seems appropriate because um, Alan Rickman had and a very distinctive voice. I've been mm-hmm. rabbiting about on about Alan Rickman for a long time. That's okay. I I know that there's a lot of mu- movies about people who are God. Obviously, Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty. There's oh, I could there's at least ten. I would say that God gives His powers to a human person and lets you work out for yourself how it's not so simple being God. That they're good ones. They are. Uh, the obvious one, I suppose, that we probably should talk about is the life of Brian. You're not... You listen here! He's not the Messiah! He's a very naughty boy! That's hilarious. I was just about to say that and then you played it. Oh, I didn't know. I wasn't in on the on, on that. Yes, <laughs> here's one I prepared earlier. So he was a very naughty boy. It's, it, uh, it's part of the Monty Python series and... and Monty Python are not adverse at poking a bit of fun at religion um, and, and making some some statements about what you could make of things and how you could differently interpret um, the stories that are presented in, in religious texts. And interesting to note that the part of Brian, who's the mistaken messiah, part of Brian is played by Graham Chapman, who was one of the f- um, earliest people to come out as gay in the entertainment industry. So, Wow. Um, Fun facts. There's there's another fact for um for joy listeners. Well, this has been such an interesting topic as well. And if you have more movies, more films, or TV shows, even that maybe have spiritual um context and themes to them, definitely send us a message or jump on our Facebook page or even on our Twitter and let us know if you would like to talk about this some some more. It would be um. A fun. It's certainly a topic that we could bring come back to. Cause yeah, I, I, said, I feel oh. like we could talk about this for two hours, just like Michelle said in the uh, stand up straight before us. She said that she could talk about their topic for two hours. Well, we could talk about this topic for two hours, Michelle. 
And certainly, and when we were thinking about this topic, obviously The Life of Brian was the first one that came to me, but the second film that came to me is the Th- South Park film. <laughs> so uh, I see we, a bit of a theme going see, on with yeah, you, there, Maybe there is a, th- a theme. We're not going to play any clips from the South Park film. It's, it's actually it's in the Guinness Book of Records for the most profanities. Um, <gasps> yes, I know there's a rule about uh, what you can do after 8 o'clock, but I still felt that... It's, maybe it's this was hor- beyond eight. Maybe it, it was more like ten o'clock. Then it is a more of a ten o'clock <laughs> thing. So, so there is a profanity or an act of violence every six seconds in the film. It is an adults-only film, so um, be aware. But interestingly, from a religious point of view, <laughs> the film is about Satan. Aha! Uh-huh. Satan is one of the main characters in the film. It actually presents a, in a very South Park style. It presents a different face of Satan. So, Satan is seen as. Um, Quite a different character to what to this very big band mean person. Um, the film is having poking a lot of fun at a lot of different things, but it's very interesting. It's also very interesting if you look at it in terms of you know we're talking early on about International Holocaust Remembrance Day. We talk about how the film plays against Canadians. So if you haven't seen the film, the, part of the story goes that um, the Canadians are responsible for children learning swear words. It's a quite a long. Um, way to explain it, but I'm not going to go into it. It's a very short film, so you can watch it very quickly. But if you look at the way um, Canadians are portrayed in the film, it is very much about um, there's a couple of Canadians who are actually in South Park, and they're considered the enemy within. And then the film portrays it as this great big mass of people just over the border who want to take over America. Um, mm. And so, uh, one of the catchy th- songs, it's, it's also poking a bit of fun at, at, at musicals, so there's a very catchy tune called Blame Car- Canada. It's very funny, um, but it is very adult. So it's well, I'm a fan not, of musicals. It's, it's certainly not a light-hearted <laughs> um, piece, but it, it does make... It's, it is light-hearted, but it's big themes. I mean, it's musically, it's, it's very sort of catchy sing-along stuff, but... It's very deliberately designed to have a go at the Disney... And the Disney franchise, it's not made by Disney, but it's certainly having a go at them. It also has a go at musicals. Uh, there's a great piece uh, call, uh, uh, called La Resistance. It's having a poke at musicals, certainly. Um, Les Mis is, is, mm-hmm. the, is the musical they've got there. And it, it, look, it's, it's very interesting. The, the, the piece of music that goes with this La Renaissance is very much about God. It's talking about... God not being there, and uh, it's it's a very inter and watching over you, and it's very like there's lots of religious themes. It is South Park though, so the South Park franchise is deliberately having a poke at um, more so about censorship than anything, but it it plays on a lot of religious themes and picks up that. It's it's quite an interesting film, but not one for the kids, I'm afraid. Fascinating. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy ninety four point nine. Tonight we've had some. Pretty cool conversations about film and spirituality and religion in film, as well as having a bit of a deep and meaningful about Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, I've got educated on the film that I chose to being uh, actually a, a Jewish film, would you say? Well, it's based on a, an, on, on, a, a, on a Jewish on story. A Jewish story that was adopted by Christianity. Don't forget that Christianity and Islam comes out of the Jewish 
That comes out yes. of Judaism, and, and certainly it's not. Well, it, Jesus was a Jew, so Jesus was a Jew, and gro- and goes in its own way, and that's that's fine. But yeah, it certainly was. I just you know I think of we're talking about you know the life of Brian, and one of my first memories when I first moved to Melbourne, the first weekend I was here, I flooded my apartment, and I can remember sitting there thinking waiting for the insurance company to come and start pumping the water out and, and I actually watched the life of Brian sitting on my sofa because the power board was up out of the way and that's what I actually did to pass the time waiting for the insurance because you know you know as the song says you know as, as one of the, the songs from the film says you know always look on the bright side of life and what else could I do so yeah so we'll we'll be hearing from the life of Brian after a couple of messages but until then it's Good night from the gang at the Spirit Lounge. Good night from myself, Claudine. Good night from Rachel. And good night from Mark. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.